and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today, as you listen to this week's content, that you grow in your faith and in your relationship with God. Connect more with us by going to ardmoresummit.church and remember to love God, love people, and love life. Man, I'm really excited for this. And when Pastor Jonathan asked me, he said, hey, would you preach on the paralyzed man? It was a no-brainer for me. And here's the reason why. Long before we started going into the first years, going through the Gospel of Mark, uh, we, it was already discussed, this is what we're going to do, come to, the first, come to the new year. And so I just personally just started, for my own benefit, reading through Mark. And man, I tell you what. When I got to this passage of Scripture, it just touched me. I've, re- I've read this a hundred times over, but, man, the Lord just started speaking to me. Man, I was able to write a bunch of things down just for myself. And so when he said, hey, can you preach the paralyzed man? I was like, dude, let's go. I'm, I'm so ready. I've been waiting to share this stuff with people. So I'm excited today. And as, as we're turning to our Bibles, just kind of want to give you a recap of what's been going on. Jesus has been calling people from their careers, and they have followed him immediately. We've seen that phrase, and immediately, quite often throughout this passage of Scripture of what we've been reading, Jesus has been teaching with authority, and the crowds are giving him undivided attention, right? And with that authority, he's been doing so much. He's been casting out demons. He's been healing people, performing miracles. We saw a few weeks back where he healed Simon's mother-in-law who had the fever. Last week, what an awesome week last week, amen, where he healed and cured the leper. There's been so much that's what's been happening. So far, all the stories that we have read of Jesus underscore that defeating human affliction, sin, suffering, and the demonic are necessary work of the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus is all about. He is coming in. He is setting the foundation. And Jesus' popularity is growing. People are hearing all about him. Crowds have been pressing into him. Synagogues, whole cities are filling the synagogues to listen to Jesus teach. Even the religious leadership and the religious elite are interested now in Jesus. They're starting to really pay attention to what he's saying. They're curious about what he is doing. And so Jesus has kind of been on this tour, if you'd like to call it that. He's been on this tour preaching and healing and doing miracles. And now he has set up his ministry in Capernaum. And that's what we're going to look at here in in chapter 2, verse 1. He's going to be in Capernaum. And this is where I imagine Jesus, after this long leg of this tour, he's like, I'm ready to just kind of get home, rest up, refresh up, get ready to go out on the second second stretch of this tour here. And it says, people have been crowding in. So let's look at this. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And the scripture says this. It'll be up on the screen as well. It says, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Now, real quick, this this man, the paralytic, we have no identification on who he is. We don't have a name. We don't have anything. All we know is he's a paralytic. I want you to remember that. Carried by four men, verse 4, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, 
they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. In verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, there's that word again, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, says to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. I love this verse. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. We never saw anything like this. The title of this morning's message is this, The Healer Part 3, The Paralyzed Man. Let's pray this morning. God, I thank you for this amazing day. Thank you for these people. Lord, we're here to listen to your word this morning. And Lord, speak to us. Your people are listening. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Do me a favor. You know I love interaction. So on the count of three, everybody say paralyzed. One, two, three, paralyzed. This man is paralyzed. This man is known as a paralytic. That's all we know about him. If you go to that next slide, I just want to share with you a couple things that just kind of pop off to me when I was reading this scripture. Not, not too deep of things, but just some stuff that's popped off to me. And if, I encourage you, write this down if you would. Number one is this. Whenever God moves, people are attracted. Whenever God moves, people are attracted. And the reason why I say this is because Jesus has such, such a, a popularity growth is happening, and people have been hearing about what he's been doing. They've been, they've been hearing about the miracles, and the, the guy can't even go to his home and rest. The guy can't even get there, and it says the people just crowded in so much that there was not even room left. People are all sitting in the living room. They're sitting on the couches. They're sitting at, at the bar. They're sitting everywhere they can be sitting. They're leaning against the window just to be able to hear Jesus speaking. There's even people in the yards. People are probably just probably like, shh, 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 I need to be able to hear him. And like, they can barely listen. People are crowded. Why? Why are they attracted to this? It's because they've heard about what he's been doing. They've heard about the miracles that he's been doing. Last week, we see a hilarious encounter, a, a improper encounter, if you would, is one of the points last week, where the leper, right, he gets healed, and Jesus says, don't say anything to nobody. Go, go to the temple, go do as Moses has commanded you to do through the law, all these things. What does he do? He goes around town telling everybody, right? And so people have heard about this. People have heard, like, man, Simon's mother-in-law had a fever. That dude who was demon-possessed, he, he did that. That's crazy. He's got authority. And then the leper, y'all remember that leper? Man, he came up to me, and it was crazy because he's been healed. And so everyone's thinking, yo, is he back in town yet? He's here, and they are attracted to Jesus because he's been moving in power. 
He's been moving in power. Some of you have came to this church because you saw what God was doing in a friend of yours' life, and they invited you to come to this service, and you said, sure, I want to check out what's happening in your life. By the way, God's moving in other places other than just some at church, okay? But, but you are here today because you are attracted to God's word. You're attracted to what God's been doing in, in, in your friend's life, in your family's life, and you say, i got to go get some more of that, or at least I need to go listen to what this is all about. So whenever God moves in power, people are attracted. Number two is this, write this down. Faith is ingenious. Faith is ingenious. And that's just a really fancy word for clever. Faith is clever. It's original. It thinks outside the box. And why do I, why do I mention that is because how many of you have ever been so desperate for Jesus, you'll do whatever it takes to get to him? Come on. We talked about that in our small group this last week, and we mentioned, like, what are all the things that you've done? And I was like, no, tell me. I want to know. And I, I, I shared some things. Man, when you get downright desperate for Jesus, you'll do whatever it takes. You'll think outside the box. You'll do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. And, and these four friends, okay, these four friends understand that their friend needs a touch from Jesus, okay? And when they show up at this house, there's so many people there, they can't even get in the door. And they're like, what are we going to do? And I'm so thankful that these guys were like, sorry, but we can come back another day. No, no, they thought outside this box. You want to talk about an improper encounter last week where the leper approaches Jesus and he gets too close and then even further, when Jesus lays the hand on the, on the leper, you talk about improper, this week is another perfect picture of how improper this was. Jesus is preaching. He's teaching God's word. And these guys, I can just imagine, I, I'm comical. Now, I like to look at things from a funny point of view. And I can imagine that while Jesus is preaching, he's probably going, what is that? What is going on? Like, what keeps falling on my head? And like, all of a sudden, like the part of the roof is like removed. And they're like, this is odd. And then all of a sudden, just like a beautiful angel descending is this paralyzed man. And it's like, how rude. How improper that Jesus is teaching and you're interrupting what Jesus is doing and you're, you're, you're descending in this room. But they said, man, we got to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Everybody say paralyzed. These four friends have heard of what Jesus was doing. I want you to get this note. I want to set this up for the rest of this whole service. service. These four friends Look at their friend who's paralyzed and know this. We need to get you to Jesus. Whatever we got to do to be able to get there. And they all have this agreement that the worst thing for this individual's life, even the paralytic himself, the worst thing in his life is his paralysis. I can't, I can't get a job. I can't provide. I can't just, I can't go fishing with my friends. I can't go anywhere. I'm just here. This is the worst thing that they are identifying is their problem. So they say, we've got to get to Jesus. Unfortunately, we don't have the names of these friends, but someone has nicknamed these four good friends, Sympathy, 
cooperation, originality, and persistence. Because, man, they had so much sympathy for their friend. They were cooperative. They thought outside the box. And listen, when they couldn't get there, they were persistent in getting there. They literally climbed stairs to get to this man, to Jesus. Although when we read this passage of Scripture, 90% of sermons want to focus on these four friends. That's not the focus of today, but they're worth mentioning. So just real quick, we should strive to be these type of friends in other people's lives. We need to be people who have sympathy, who are cooperative, who will be original, who will go out there and be persistent. We ought to be those type of people in others' lives and, and the other way around. We need people like that in our lives. I think there's more to this story, though. There's more to this. Number three, write this down. Faith moves God to action. Faith moves God to action. I want to think about how I want to say this. We can't make God do anything. Okay? We can't. But I, I'm telling you, and I see this throughout Scripture, when he sees our faith, when he sees how we are persistent with our faith, it's just something about that that just says, man, I'm ready to move. God can move. God can do all kinds of things. But man, when he just sees his people saying, you're the only way I can ever get out of this, it causes him to just to, to move quicker maybe. Let me say this. It's hard to follow and trust a God who doesn't understand us. It's hard to follow God who doesn't understand us. It's hard to follow a God and trust in one who hasn't been where some of us have been. You understand what I'm saying this morning? It's a lot easier to follow someone who has. God is such a good father, such a loving father that he gets us. Why can I say that with confidence this morning that he gets us? It's because Jesus has literally walked the life that you and I are walking. He has felt betrayal. He's felt pain. He's felt anxiety. He gets us more than you think that we, that, that, that we do. What does this have to do with faith moving him to action? Because he understands us? Get that this morning. Because he understands, hey, I, I know what this person's going through. When he sees us being persistent, he moves into action. But see, God wants to do something more than just fix us. God wants to do something outside the box. God wants to do something crazy. He wants to do something radical. He doesn't just want to fix your physical problems. He wants to fix the spiritual problems. God wants to do so much more don't get me wrong, I would never sit up here from this position and say whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through, whether it's a, a mental breakdown, whether it's a financial problem, whether it's a physical issue, I would never sit up here and say, hey, that's not important. What's more important is just your spiritual life. Hey, it's all together a collective whole. But don't get me wrong that Jesus says, I want to do more than what you think you want me to do. Go to the next slide if you would for me. I, I want to I share this right here. Number one, Jesus goes beyond the symptoms into the cause. Jesus goes beyond the symptoms into the cause. Jesus wouldn't heal the body and neglect the soul. 
It's not who he is. He wouldn't remedy a temporary condition and leave an eternal condition untouched. He wants to do more. He'll go past the symptoms to the cause. Number two, that means Jesus goes beyond our expectations. Jesus goes beyond our expectations. I shared with you that these four friends and this man thought the worst thing in my life is my paralysis. The worst thing in my life is my physical condition. You understand that, right? You understand that this is, a lot of ways, embarrassing. And this is where I'm at. I'm ashamed that I, I, can't, I can't do what, what, I, what I'm meant to do. Jesus goes past the physical and straight to the spiritual. And something amazing happens here when Jesus goes beyond the expectation of just physical healing. I think this man realizes something that he might have missed. He says, no, you don't understand. Let's, let's walk through this. You've just been lowered into this room. You understand, like, I can't walk. And because he sees your faith, come on, you're getting all excited, like, man, I've been hearing about Simon's mother-in-law, that leper. It's my time. Let's go. Here I am. You see my faith, Jesus? And Jesus looks and goes, Son, we all think that the miracle is getting up and walking away. There's no identification on this man other than paralytic. But a three-letter word, Jesus does the real miracle, the, the, the big miracle. He says, son, you are a son of mine. And because of that, your sins are forgiven. And we, as the church, understand that. We go, oh, thank God, the weight that comes off. But let me get you in that moment. Let me get you, try to get you in this situation. They know the law. Only God can forgive sins. Only God can do this. And so I can imagine the confusion that happens when I'm here for a healing. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. I can imagine that probably, I don't know, there's no commentary on this, where the paralyzed man goes, can you do that? And I came to get healed. Right? And then what does it say? It says, Jesus can hear the thoughts of those around him. They're saying, this is blasphemy. This is blasphemy. Let me just say this too, by the way. Um, when we talk about the Pharisees and the scribes, we always look at them and go, eh, those are bad people. No, you know what? Let me, let me defend them for just a moment. They knew the Lord. They understood the law. They, they loved God with everything inside of them. And they truly thought, you can't say that. That is blasphemy. You can't forgive sins. They're truly defending what they believe is truth. They're defending their God, saying, you can't do this. We don't mind you, Jesus, performing some miracles. We don't mind you, Jesus, coming around teaching people the word. That's all cool with us. But don't you dare say that you can forgive sins? And number three, Jesus goes beyond the line. Jesus goes beyond the line because of that simple phrase, son, your sins are forgiven. He says, what is easier to pronounce? That the man's sins are forgiven or his paralysis cured? 
What do you think? See, on one end, it, uh, on the surface, it's kind of easier to say your sins are forgiven because that's invisible. It's hard to disprove. I can't tell if that literally happened or not. But it, it's, it, on one hand, it's kind of hard to say, get up and take your mat and walk because if the guy doesn't get up and walk, then it, I prove to have no authority to heal. Simultaneously, at the same time, it's actually harder to say your sins are forgiven. Why? Because only God can forgive sins. So this is crazy. He's like, what's easier to say? And then Jesus, going way across the line, stepping way further than, he, than, 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 that, than they expected him to, he says this. He says, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, he looks at the paralytic and says, hey, get up. Take up your mat and walk. And this man, I can imagine, I can imagine as he's sitting there, and I don't know, guys, I, I'm not trying to over-dramatize this, but I, I really want us to try to just get in that room. I can imagine the, the shockwave of the numbness that went away out of nowhere, just this massive shockwave, probably hurt for a second, just... And this deep breath that came from, and like the, the, the seeing of the toes, and he's wiggling his toes, and it's, it's coming alive a little bit, and he moves his joints around a little bit, and his ankles pop a little bit, and he gets up, he's a little wobbly, and with, without even falling down, he, he picks up this mat, and he's a sh in, in amazement, and he takes this mat, and he takes a step without, see, we look, we look. When, when, when baby, walk, Oliver right now is trying to learn how to walk. This is him. He's like all over the place. He's falling down. But I don't believe this. I don't believe that that man had to try to learn how to walk, you know. I think he got up and was nervous, was really scared. I think his heartbeat was pumping because I'm elevated way more than I've ever been in my life right now. And then oh, I take a first step and it's full confidence that I'm good. I thought the worst thing in my life was my paralysis. They said, we've never saw anything like this. Baloney. Yeah, you have. Guys, we've walked through all of chapter one. They have seen Jesus heal. They've seen the miracles perform. That's why they're there in the house. They're, but now they're saying, we've never saw anything like this before. They've never seen someone say, the sins are forgiven. This is a whole new thing that's happening here. The scribes could not see that the man's sins were forgiven. Therefore, they wouldn't believe. So in order to demonstrate that the man's sins had really been forgiven, the Savior gave the scribes something that they could see. So the logic here is this. Since Jesus can do the visible miracle, this is the evidence that he also has the power to do the invisible miracle. What does this mean? What is this all about? It's the proof of his divinity. He is saying right there in front of everybody, he's just letting it all out. He says, you know what? Since y'all don't want to keep quiet, y'all don't want to, y'all want to tell everybody about the miracles, guess what? Your sins are forgiven. What? And now I want to circle back to the moment when he's up walking. I don't think he just kind of got him and was like, cool guys, see you later. Got out of there. I want to imagine that he said, wait a minute, let me, take a, let me take a couple steps back here. I was paralyzed, not anymore. You saw my faith. 
I'm healed. It caused you to move. You moved and all that. That's, that's wonderful. But wait, Jesus, that wasn't the first thing that you addressed. You didn't just address the first thing that came out of your mouth. When you saw my faith, my paralysis was not the first thing that you went after. I would like to imagine that this paralyzed man actually said, I thought this was the worst thing in my life. But because of what you went after first, it shows me there's something bigger. There's something worse. A spiritual condition. People left that day glorifying God. Unfortunately, others left that day angry. I mean, honestly, it, we, it, it's what leads to Jesus' death. I mean, this is a blasphemous teacher who can forgive sins. Some of you will leave today after hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ completely changed. Some of you will leave today unchanged. It's not my job to change you. It's not my job to do anything. It's my job to just tell you. But let me tell you this. God changing your life is the proof that others need to believe that God is who he says he is. You are living proof of everything that God says he is. You are a walking testimony. And today the invitation is so wide. John and the worship team, if you would, the invitation is so wide today. Some of us need to come to the realization that and I've just I've been going after God that I just need this situation taken care of. I just God, if you would just fix this in my life, God, if you would just do this thing and mark that off, man, I, everything would be so much better. But have you ever have you ever thought? Let's circle back to worship. Have you ever thought just like I'll stand with arms wide open, heart abandoned, all I am is yours. Everything else will fall into place. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things will fall into place. We see all kinds of scriptures about this. Today, I don't, I don't know what it is you need today, friend. You know, God knows. I simply want to give you an invitation to come up. Go after the Lord. Let us pray with you. Let us walk with you. And, and find what that is that you need. Today, some of you need physical healing. I believe that we can lay hands on you and you can be physically healed today. Some of you need a spiritual touch. I believe that we can lay hands on you today and God will touch you. I pray, some of you need to be awakened to what God is trying to do in your life. You've been seeking blessings, but there's things that got to fall into place first. And I pray and I believe today that we can lay hands on you and those things will be illuminated to you and you'll say, I'm done. I'm ready for everything. If you would, church, let's stand together. Hey, thanks again for listening to the Summit Church Podcast. We hope today you enjoyed the content and what God was speaking to you today. Again, we'd love to connect with you more by going to ardmoresummit.church. Join us Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. in Ardmore, Oklahoma at 1725 North Commerce Street. Take care and be blessed.